Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. All right, Matt, let's, uh, I like the idea, man. Thank you. A little love to arrow up, arrow down. I'll be starting that again after the first preseason week. So let's start with the offense. Like you said, I'll let you get first crack at this. You can go up or you can go down, but give me one of them. Ooh, well, what are you? Are you a glass half full guy or a glass half empty guy? You have to be a glass half full full, person, right? right? I have totally, right? I mean, I I, I always look at the positive side of things. See, I think I pretend to always look at the positive side of things, but I'm more of like a little bit of a glass half full. A little too person. critical sometimes. Excuse me, a, right. excuse me, a glass half empty person. Gotcha. Yeah, sometimes I am a little too critical. So I'll start with the arrow up just because I'm going to try and exude some positivity here. And for me, I'm going to try and do a little bit more under the radar, guys, because like the arrow is already shooting up on Diggs. It's already shooting up on Davis. I'm going to go David Questenberry. Just because even like though it. we're talking about even though we're talking about the offensive line and the struggles that they've had, you've made the comparison the last couple pods, and I really like it, that he might be their new Ryan Bates. And I think that every team kind of needs a guy like that because it feels like when there's injuries, the offensive line is always one of the first positions where things start to get decimated. So I think he's got versatility that they really like. I think he's got the experience that they like. And I think he's a nice insurance policy to have because if there's a tackle who goes down if there's a guard who goes down i think he's going to kind of be the first backup that puts themselves back into the fold and i think that's good because i think it is one of the most important positions on the field yeah i really like that one um i do think i think questionberry is very important he's actually been getting a lot of reps uh, at right tackle in place of spencer brown but we know he can play different positions all right i'll go an arrow up here I- i'm gonna go with zach moss we've talked yeah. about him and you know, you've mentioned too, you know, that maybe we've all kind of dismissed him a little bit too early. Matt, he's getting opportunity and, and he looks good. And I think he might have been more impacted by the playoff injury of 2020 through the 21 season more than we all know, because he obviously did not look like the same Zach Moss last year. And now you're like going to this year while well, he's fighting for a spot. I think Zach Moss has looked really good. Um, I talked to him after practice one day. Yeah, I think he said he maybe been a couple pounds pounds down, but he looks he looks a little bit different. But it's pretty much the same weight. He does look a little bit shiftier. He does look a little bit faster. And again, that might be the product of maybe being completely healthy. The biggest reason, though, I'm giving him the arrow up. He has looked better and he has looked good, but he's getting opportunity, and I think he's going to be squarely a part of this team. And I think that 
that's a good sign, obviously, for the Bills. But I also think it was probably an eye-opener when they went out in the offseason and they tried to sign J.D. McKissick and that fails, and then they used the resource they did on James Cook. It probably sent a message to the entire running back room like, listen, there is going to be a lot of competition. It is not a foregone conclusion that you are going to be on the team. It was a foregone conclusion for Zach Moss' first two training camps with the Buffalo Bills that he was going to be on the 53-man roster. And then... Maybe not in his mind, but there was some outside noise of like, oh, maybe he's not going to make the team. Maybe they're going to move on. And maybe that little lit a little bit of a fire under him. And he was like, no, I can still help this team. I can still contribute. I was a third round pick. Like, I'm going to make a difference. So I think when you look at all the different factors, maybe we were too quick to immediately get to the fact of like, oh, maybe he won't be because he still has a really cost controlled contract. Devin Singletary is going into the last year of his rookie contract. And I just don't see the bills as a team that want to go out and spend a bunch of money. So if the plan kind of takes its course, I would imagine that James Cook, maybe next year, assuming they don't keep Singletary and who knows, maybe they will. But if they move on from Singletary, maybe James Cook becomes the one a, even though he's not like your typical in between the tackles guy. And then Zach, Moss becomes your 1B because you would have him for one more year with a cost-controlled contract. So I think Zach Moss is going to be on this team. I think that he's going to have a role. I don't think he's going to have as big of a role as Singletary or Cook, but I still think he's going to have a role, and they're going to have a healthy rotation with those guys. All right, let's go arrow down. I'll start with this one. I'm going to go arrow down to any wide receiver not named Diggs, Davis, McKenzie, or Shakir. And the reason is, A, Some just haven't been on the field. Crowder has missed way too much time. He's now back. Kumaro missed a bunch of time. He's now back. And honestly, like I just haven't seen the flash from Tavon Austin I've wanted to see that we all thought we'd see a little bit earlier and what we saw from camp. Now, that doesn't mean that he hasn't made his share of plays every once in a while, but remember the first week or so, oh, Tavon Austin still looks really good. Going back to OTAs and minicamp, he looked really good. Now you have Marquez Stevenson on the shelf, of course. So really, those four guys, Diggs, Davis, McKenzie, and Shakir, They're the ones standing out as crowded as that position group is, Matt. I'm going to need another guy or two to really kind of step up. Hodgins, actually, Isaiah Hodgins has flashed last couple of days, even today again. I'm starting to get him a little bit more of a chance here because of what I'm saying. I need a couple of those guys to step up more. Yeah, I agree with you, especially on the Hodgins one, because I know when they drafted him, everybody was like, oh, this guy just makes every catch. And there were some really high expectations for him, given where he was drafted. It almost felt like there was a little bit more buzz about Hodgins than there even was about Gabe Davis when they got the two of them. And it felt like Hodgins was kind of like the better value pick. And maybe there was a little bit of more uncertainty with Davis. So I do think I agree with that. I would have actually said Jamison Crowder specifically for my arrow down, but just for the sake of the conversation, I'm going to go with OJ Howard. And this is not like a big knock on OJ Howard. He is going to be on the 53 man roster. He's going to play a role on this team. I think when they signed OJ Howard, I was expecting maybe a little bit more of a complete tight end threat. And after watching him two weeks into camp, it still feels like there's a pretty big gap between Dawson Knox and him. And when they signed him, I was like, oh, it's an insurance policy for Dawson Knox if anything happens. Because last year when their tight end got hurt, they really struggled to get into a groove. And now you've got that kind of built in like, oh, if anything happens to Dawson, at least we've got Howard. I thought they would run more two tight end sets this year. Maybe they still will. He just doesn't have the same jump that Knox does. And maybe that says more about Knox than it even says about Howard. But I think that it's a pretty clearly defined Dawson Knox is one. Then there's a huge gap. 
Then it's OJ Howard. And actually to me has had a fairly decent camp. I kind of think that he's like firmly on the roster bubble. If he doesn't make the team, I'd expect him to be on the practice squad. But for me, I'll say OJ Howard, just because maybe my expectations were a little bit. All right, let's go uh, to the defensive side and I'll let you start again. You want to go arrow up and we'll do it the same way. Yeah, I'll go arrow up on the defensive side. My pick is going to be third round pick Terrell Bernard. He has been awesome. Like, yeah. so, so good. Right. And he keeps flashing. He keeps making the splash plays that we always talk about with the linebackers. And it honestly has me thinking more about the future than it has me thinking short term. Like, I think he is a nice piece as a depth player, but I really don't see situations when he gets on the field on the defense unless somebody gets hurt because. He's not going to play like the AJ Klein role where you come in and if you're trying to get big, you put him out on the field. I I really don't see that, but it makes me wonder, do they feel comfortable going with Terrell Bernard and Matt Milano in the future? Or do they feel comfortable re-signing Tremaine Edmonds and parting ways with Matt Milano? And this is a very preliminary conversation, but Terrell Bernard has been good. We'll wait and see until there's actual games. But that dude at Baylor just made plays. Like he was just one of those guys. He's undersized, but he made plays. And with the new way the NFL is going, speedy, fast line. Like look at Matt Milano. I think Matt Milano is one of the most underrated players on this team. And they've got a very similar kind of like body type, build, vibe, the way they play the game. So I think for right now, Terrell Bernard is going to be more of a depth piece. But I think in the future, as the salary cap becomes more complicated for this team, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays a bigger role on the defense in a few years. I love it. I've talked a lot about him on WGR. I do think he has a role as a third linebacker or nickel, like a um, um, big nickel safety kind of in a way against certain teams. Like I'm thinking the Baltimore Ravens, right? The Ravens are all out there, those tight ends and the running game, and they don't have those mm-hmm. big wide receivers. Wouldn't you want to get Taron Johnson off the field and replace him with a Terrell Bernard, right? I think that's the role he can play. See, I I, I know what you're saying, but I feel like in that situation, you would probably still lean towards Saran Neal because he might be a little faster than Terrell Bernard, and he maybe fits more of like that specific role. Mm-hmm. But he's like the first guy that I think of. I'm like, oh, maybe you bring Terrell Bernard out there because he's got so much position flexibility. But I think like they did with the bigger tight ends or with the big running backs and they'd put Saran out there, I still think that that's probably going to be the case. I'm glad you brought up Saran Neal. He is actually my arrow up right here and to talk about him because he's done a really good job. I was going to say Ed Oliver, but he's kind of in that, like we all know Ed Oliver's really good. He's actually had a really good camp. I want to just throw that out there, but I've been very impressed with Saran Neal. And Matt, I talked to him a little bit after practice today about how impressed I've been with him and asking him about his coverage ability and the fact that he's getting more opportunity. He told me he worked out with Ray Buchanan in the offseason down in Atlanta, actually, to work on a lot of his coverage ability and you know his hands and his hips and all that kind of stuff. It's showing. I think that if Tredavious White you know, either A, isn't on the field September 8th against the Rams or isn't completely healthy, whereas they're backing off on him through whatever part of the season— to have a guy like Saran Neal that might be available to contribute at corner along with obviously Kyer Elam and Dane Jackson, I think would be such a benefit for this team. And I really, really have been impressed with how he's covered. He's not known for it. Got the contract extension in the offseason. That's for special teams play. But I'm going to go with uh, Saran Neal as my arrow up. Yeah, and I think he's one of those guys that 
you know, we keep always talking about position versatility and he really does have it to like a completely different level. And I think that he is such an important piece, even though he's more of a depth player, he can do a little bit of everything. If he needs to line up out wide, he can, it's not his first spot and he probably wouldn't be outstanding at it, but you could at least line him up outside. If you had to, if you want him to play big nickel, he can do that. If something happens to Taryn, if they want to try and get a little bit bigger, they throw him on the field and he's obviously a special team day. So I think Saran Neal is one of those like under the radar players that if you're not in Buffalo or not a bills fan, you probably have no familiarity with whatsoever, but he does play an important role. And I think that's why they were so eager to keep him here for a long-term contract. All right. Arrow down for the defense is actually hard. I think the defense is uh, yeah. this camp. I really have been thinking about it. I'm sitting here thinking about it. I'm like, okay, I, so, I knew who I wanted to do for the first three. And then I get to this one and I'm like, Ooh, this is a little bit trickier. I now look again. I do not want Bill's mafia to panic. When I say this, I think I might want to give it to Kyrie Elam because I, I still think he's got a learning curve here. He's been a little grabby as we've talked about things like that, but I think he's won his share and it's so tough. He's going against Davis and he's going against Diggs, Right. So maybe he'll listen to this and light a fire under him because I think maybe Coming out here, I'm like, okay, first round pick, all these all accolades at Florida. Like, I'm expecting some more picks and things like that. Maybe my expectations are too high for him. Again, I want to make it clear. I do not think he's struggled. I don't think he's had a bad camp. I think there's been times, though, where I've wanted to see him maybe be better than he's been. And I think he's learning and he's getting there. But right now, I'm going to put him on this list because I think the defense as a whole has been so good. That's the only thing I can really nitpick about. Yeah, I agree with you there. He would have probably been my first choice. I'm going to go, and like, we're really being nitpicky here. I'm going to go Boogie Basham. And the only reason I'm going to go Boogie Basham is because I have him in a group with Greg Rousseau and AJ Epinesa. And to me, those are kind of like the three young pass rushers who I think really needed to make a step. And I think before training camp, Boogie Basham was trending in the right direction. And he still is. Like, the sample size is small. I've seen more splash plays, though, from Epinesa and Rousseau than I have from Boogie up to this point, and he's even made a couple splash plays. So just by comparison to his peers, I'd say maybe he has been the... He's probably been pretty consistent, but he hasn't maybe made those same explosive plays that the other guys had. And that's not a knock on him because he is going to play a big role for this defense. This is another guy like he's going to be on the 53 man roster. He's going to get snaps and he's going to be featured and utilized up to this point, though. And this is almost more of an indictment on Epinesa. Epinesa has made a lot of plays like he is getting into the backfield, generating pressure, getting what would be sacks. They can't obviously sack the quarterback at this point. So I think those guys trending in the right direction, Basham kind of staying level. Water always finds its level. Maybe not jumping off the page like the other two. Somebody asked me at practice today, one of the fans, do you think AJ Vanessa could be a surprise cut? And I'd be like, and I was like, I don't think so. Like not the way he's playing. I mean, they, they might have to, excuse me, chew choose between him and Shaq or whatever. But I think at this point, there's no reason they can't keep five defensive ends. And that includes Boogie, by the way. I don't yeah. think Boogie would be on that list. I think Boogie's on no, 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 no. a second round pick from a year ago. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's pretty, it's pretty safe to say that it's going to be Von Miller, Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham, AJ Epinesa. And I think Shaq Lawson, like I think all five of those guys are going to make the team. All right, that's Arrow Up, Arrow Down. You can actually read Arrow Up, Arrow Down after the uh, Bills games that I post at WGR550.com.